Hello and welcome to the okayest podcast on your your feed of video game news. I'm sure we're somewhere in the top 30 of uh, of Saudi Arabian leisure podcasts. Yeah, we're we're number seven in, in Saudi Arabia, or were we like number two in Saudi Arabia, number seven in Spain? <laughs> we're international, baby. I actually played a, a video game o- over the week. Uh, a new one, George. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, guys. Uh, and, and Matt and Liam are are, are more and more um, onto the, the the hot, latest, big money new releases of of this week. Can I just be angry first? And Liam just finished turning off the uh, Nintendo Direct that uh, just aired literally minutes ago. The final Smash Brothers one. Yeah, we we have the final Smash. Yeah, it it, it was the final ever Smash Brothers. Mr. Sakurai presents. (laughs) Sora. (laughs) Sora from Kingdom Hearts is the final Smash of Smash (laughs) Ultimate. Boy, oh boy, does that sound conclusive. It makes you think that maybe there might not be another one for Imagine thinking that ending on Sora would be a good idea. What's wrong? Fuck he's a bitch. It brings Sora, though, dude. It's Sora. It's a big brand. Look. You guys I gotta watch know. it. I Everybody who's it. listened to this knows how much Smash Brothers means to me and has over the years. It holds a very special place in my heart. And the Sakurai Directs have always been exciting moments in time. And imagine the final ever one, and you get treated with Kingdom Hearts garbage from <laughs> fucking Sora <sighs> of okay. all goddamn fucking characters to end on is the floaty sword wielding garbage that is Sora. I do not claim to have any sort of formal education in Kingdom Heartology. However, (laughs) I am aware that it is a massively huge brand, uh, uh, maybe more so in in Japan than outside, and that as a a video game crossover fighting between big brands, it seems more appropriate than like some weird Fire Emblem secondary character no one knows about. Well, this is a thing. I honestly could not think of who it was, and I knew Sora was a potential option. And I just didn't want in my heart to believe that they would end on such a flat note, such a dull, boring, terrible, (laughs) lifeless, (laughs) awful character like Sora. And this is all hyperbole because it's the heat of the moment. But my fucking God, what an end to a fucking brilliant series. And if it is the final Smash Brothers, and if Sora truly is the final character, maybe one day we'll look back with glints in our eyes at those exciting directs. <laughs> Banjo, Joker, uh, even Dragon Quest Hero in Steve. Japan. Steve. And even the, even Steve. But fucking Sora. Oh, come Get on. The fuck out of here. Jesus. There have been Smash announcements where I was told to be excited for characters like Bleth and Edelgard showing up. And I don't know who those people are, but I know who Sora is. Look, yeah, I feel indifferent about Pyra. I feel pretty indifferent about Edelgard. But fucking 
So it's it's the fact that <sighs> Sora he wasn't before. If he was before, I would have been disappointed because it's Sora and Kingdom Hearts and just fuck that shit. But you know, if he'd been earlier, if he wasn't the final one, the final ever Smash Brothers who, character, who did you want? Who did you want? on this spiky head nonsense? Who did you what, want? What, what are some examples? What would be? What would make the world okay? I don't know what would make the world okay. If, ah. If I think about all of the characters that are announced, the one that would have been the most left field, I think, would have been Steve, probably. But even then, yeah. it probably would have been disappointing. I think Joker as well, because it's Persona. But yeah, these are PlayStation characters too, like uh, Kingdom Hearts, the first two, and then, you know, wait 15 years for the third one. Those are all like big tentpole PlayStation releases. So this also feels like one of those special moments of the competitors coming together to smash. Even if... Like, because the one of the me costumes was Doom Slayer, right? So now officially Doom is in Smash 2. Even if it was actually <laughs> Doom Guy as a character, would have been more interesting. Because, you know, we have a lot of Samus-like characters, but not as many yeah. as we have sword-fighting characters. And, uh, and, and Sora just ultimately looked really boring to play as well. He's super floaty. He just swings his fucking keyblade about. He fires magic that you can't control outside of the fact that you have to switch between them by actually using the move so players can predict what you're doing. That's fucking... Ah, fuck this. Fuck everything. I'm so sad. This is bullshit. Now I'm done. I gotta say, like... Well, like months ago, maybe like a year ago, I was like, "Man, I would like Sora in in Kingdom Hearts," but I didn't envision him like this. This looks kind of boring. I'm looking at it now, and I'm just like, "What the fuck?" I'm surprised that this Isaac from Kingdom Hearts would have been uh, from Golden Sun would have been better. That this is what gets <laughs> Liam riled up. Like of all the look, I care. I care about Smash Brothers a lot, and it's the last. If it truly is Sakurai's last one, it should have been a celebration of gaming, a final moment. Not this tangential franchise that people like somehow. You know tangential that has been in, somehow like, incoherent PlayStation Two franchise that has literally nothing to do with Nintendo apart from the fact that one 3DS game came out. Like it's non. Right, I'm done. I'm sad. There are also the the um, GBA the Dream Drop. Distance. Oh, the card game. Oh, fuck that. The, yeah, they've had a presence on Nintendo platforms more so than like some of the other characters on the lineup there. Yes, like uh, Snake is someone who's in Smash, and I feel like Snake is a more out of left field character. Snake and Bayonetta from these like M rated games that aren't for kids, especially. No, like, Bayonetta, Bayonetta. All the Bayonetta games are on. All the Bayonetta games are on Switch. We, uh, Bayonetta Two is on Wii U. Look. Snake has a 3DS game, same as fucking Sora does, right? Look, 3DS, Metal Gear Solid, and Twin Snakes. So no, 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 no. I will not agree. Uh, maybe, maybe Cloud and Sephiroth is as far as it'll go, really. But, and Persona 5, Persona Scramble, but, yeah. and Strikers. But, yeah. truly, <laughs> this is terrible. I'm I'm in full angry gamer mode. <laughs> I'm surprised that this is what what triggers it. Like, like of all the talk about abusive bosses and, 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 <laughs> and 
problematic publishers that this is what, what uh, no now now it's just the heat of the moment look i care about smash we all know this i've i've always been a huge fan since the day it came out and and this feels like an extension of the one that was on wii u smash 4 so this is like eight years nine years in the making of adding characters, exciting DLC, and every fighter being a part of it. And the fact that I have to watch Mario, iconic legend of the game, Mario, shake hands with this disgustingly boring RPG character from a game that's on PlayStation 2 frustrates the hell out of me. I don't care whether it annoys Kingdom Hearts fans whatsoever. Based on like the modern company politics, it seems more surprising that they were able to strike a deal with Rareware and get King K. Rule in there. And wait a second, though, it's, not, it's from a Donkey Kong game. It might have been a Nintendo property, so they may never need to do that. I'm just saying that like it seems like there is more synchronicity between Sony and Nintendo for Smash characters than other companies who've shown up in the past. I mean... Not really, because Square Enix weren't playing very nice about Cloud and Sephiroth being an ultimate. So I don't know. I don't know how this came about. I, I, I think Sakurai as the final. Imagine that. How cool. amazing would that have been if Sakurai? Yeah, like actually, all new moves. Yeah. All new moves. That would have been shit. incredible. Yeah, like the creator. Kind of like when you play fighting games and you like fight like the god. At the end. Yeah, and they're they're like stylized as a super buff, powerful with like a, a glowing aura around them yeah. sort of version and an ideal Uber Mensch of of Sakurai. Yeah, it would have been ah, oh, it would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. The near DLCs did that. Like like wasn't the Square Enix president one of the mini bosses in some near automata DLC? <laughs> like platinum gate looking like Senator Armstrong with a suit and tie and just an incredibly buff body underneath it. Oh, I, I bet people would love to be as the last character. Oh. I would rather have Sora than to be. Like it would it would be, I think, a big possibility for near characters to show up and smash. I would rather Kingdom Hearts characters than near characters, but but I mean I I I would I don't know. I would have just rather anybody else. Honestly. Master Chief Crash. Oh, oh. Master Even Chief Crash. Crash. Bandicoot. Crash's days were decades ago. Kingdom Hearts is probably cooler for the kids nowadays. Master than, Chief would have been awesome. Bandicoot. Fuck Master Chief. Can you imagine Spartan Laser? Oh my god. That would Seriously. definitely have to be in it. Would have been a more exciting a moveset, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> the moveset's gonna suck. They don't want Smash characters to just pull out a gun and shoot the other guys on the stage. He wouldn't be shooting. The, the modding scene for Project M for that. So so they'd have to stretch Master Chief's uh, I abilities and uh, tools. Waluigi, just, just let it end uh, on Waluigi would have just been a, a throw. We would not be talking if it was a Nintendo character. Even like ending on a meme would have been great. Just not what this. if not this. what if it was a, an anime sword fighter from Fire Emblem though who plays like all the others? How it would have also been could pretty have been? rough, but at least I like Fire Emblem. Oh, so so is this is this all just 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 you not liking Kingdom Hearts? There's no personality to Sora whatsoever. They, I don't 
I really don't care. I've played all of the Kingdom Hearts games. Look, I can have an Even opinion. three? I, we know. I talked about another podcast. I played 30 hours of it, and then my PlayStation 4 broke, and I lost all my save. Oh, uh, yeah, I've played, right. I've even played Dream Drop Distance <laughs> and Birth by Sleep. I have played those games. I have tried. I have truly tried. And I feel you, like... Oh, you've played them. You haven't beat them. I've played, you haven't I've gone through the one. pain. I finished, I finished one. I finished two. Okay. I finished yeah. Birth by Sleep on the PSP, and I mm-hmm. got pretty far in Dream Drop Distance until my... I think my 3DS broke. I'm not sure actually, but wow! So Kingdom Hearts just basically breaks every console that you play. For on. that, yeah. maybe this that is, is my the hatred. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. This so you have negative feelings from. towards. And do you know what? And, you know, and actually, when I was watching the direct, and I was watching it, and I knew it was Kingdom Hearts, I actually was pleading in my brain that it was Mickey. And the final reveal was that it was actually Mickey, not Sora, because that would have been massive. Like a Disney character being well, in Smash. Isn't- no, it would have been similar, but at least it would have been exciting. Not fucking Sora. But like, there's some it. rules. There's some rules about who can be a Smash character. And, and, you know, if you can pull out a gun and shoot the other Smashers, that means you're less likely. But isn't another one of the rules that, like, you have to be an actual video game character? Which is why Goku and Seinfeld and, and, and Wishbone the dog <laughs> could never, never qualify for Smash. <laughs> yes, I Well, technically, it. no, because Pyra is in it, and Pyra is not a controllable character. Who? What? What game is Pyra from? Xenoblade Chronicles Two. It, that's still a video game brand. Like, like it's oh, not right. like uh, mm-hmm. having having Frasier or or Matlock mm. or Judge Judy on. You know, I would love to see a like <laughs> '90s sitcom crossover fighter though. <laughs> but anyways, I'm 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 sorry that you're sad about Sora. But I do want to say thank you, Sakurai. Thank you for an incredible franchise. If it truly is your last game, thank you so much. Smash Brothers means a great deal to me. And Ultimate and 4 were so exciting. The DLC was so exciting. Every time we get a new character was always exciting until now. But truly a very inspirational and wonderful series that is like nothing else, right? There is nothing else in gaming that ever could match up to Smash Brothers truly for the collaborative effort of all of the I don't know, developers. man. Nickelodeon. Uh, no Nickelodeon. Stars, <laughs> I was going to say. Making, making <laughs> competitions heating up. Dude, it looks like trash now. In the beginning, I was I, like, oh, okay, this could be cool. And then I watched some gameplay literally yesterday. And I was like, wow, this is trying to be Smash Brothers. But like... Like a very low budget one, and it doesn't. Yeah, work. It, for gameplay, they almost look like they are straight up copy pasting Melee, which I guess should be like fine, whatever. But like, Melee looks it is weird. Now. It it is weird that the graphics look like three or four generations behind the current times, and that the characters have no voice acting. You guys ever uh, noticed yeah. that in these yeah. Nickelodeon videos? Yeah, What's yeah. The, what is yeah. that? Yeah, is that is that going to be not really sure the final about the audio, product? Yeah. Yeah, that's it, definitely. There's a, no a weight. There's no weight to the moves. They're just kind of getting ping ponged. If you realize, like the way the characters move, there's 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 a certain weight to smash that makes you feel like you're hitting something. And this one, it just it. Jesus, like <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you can like know that until it's in your hands. No, you can I, feel I, it. I, you can I, feel I, it. It looks like oh, it's gonna. 
Mm. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But man, it looks like ass now. Before I was excited. Now it it's kind of it's kind of ass now. <laughs> what an incredibly negative way to start this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I'm is ass. It's not me. That's like <laughs> yeah, it's not like George once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying it just from like the the exchange coming from the other side. I uh, I am um, I, I couldn't really you have care no horse that in the much game. about Sora. Yeah. yeah. Listen, <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't beat anyone in Smash anymore. Those days are gone for me. <laughs> My love for Smash definitely. If you if you had a line graph that showed Liam's love for Smash increasing and mine decreasing, it would the points would intersect right at that fucking day where I was in the airport on the way to Japan and <laughs> Liam was just spamming his garbage King K rule all cannon grab to throw off the stage for every single match. I'll do the same thing move. That that Liam, that was my my point of 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 turning. All of yeah, everything went downhill from there. You know, about a year later I the was pandemic your happened that was no coincidence <laughs> I was your Sora oh instead of opening his heart you locked his heart I locked his heart I truly broke his heart George is uh, in the darkness now <laughs> he's in the darkness now oh, he's Riku <laughs> of, uh, yeah the, the uh, magic uh, key light is not brightening my heart or whatever. I'm probably like Kyrie. <laughs> you're, I'm yeah. goofy. I'm probably Kyrie. George, you're more Donald than anything. <laughs> well, what does Donald do in the Kingdom Hearts games? <laughs> he doesn't do a all. goddamn thing. <laughs> he spams oh. healing and complains. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what a Kingdom Heart is, so I just have to, like, picture Donald Kingdom being the healing Hearts. girl of your party. I want to say something, though. Last week, right? We did have a podcast last week. <laughs> Who knows? Ted Lasso. Like, I did not like where it was going. Then I watched the I watched the last few episodes, and thank God things realigned properly. They did. Um, they did. They did. And I saw where they were going. With certain characters I mentioned, and I was like, "Oh, that's what's gonna happen," and rightfully so because, goddamn, I don't want that person on on the team anymore. I'm not talking about Sam, but like, oh my god, I'm getting into spoilers. But like, there there is it realigned, and I'm happy now. <laughs> I've never had a show with it made me feel like. So invested. I guess that's a good thing. I'm like invested in these characters now. It's just like, come on, don't do this to me. If there's going to be like multiple seasons, I don't need it to crash and burn this early on season two. Well, there's actually only going to be three seasons they've already said. So that's that's fine. That's it. I, I yeah. think it's, it I think should that wrap works up. Out. Yeah, yeah. It, it should wrap up. Because so not, not intending it to last forever. No. That's, not that's fine with those me. Like, like like shows that's still there in a decade. I think that's what it deserves. Like a true finale yeah. that, of course, we haven't got the finale yet. Because you can already see the wine just aging and you're just like, oh man, those last moments are going to be intense. Some good 
positivity, <laughs> which is <laughs> what we need. I swear that guy, I don't know what type of positivity you, you can watch I, can on I this be, show. All right, yeah. fine. Because I'm going to be negative about something else later. Okay. Can I be positive about something first? Yeah. Okay. So I really want to be positive about another thing that has come to an end that I also truly love and take a great inspiration from, which is Bond. James Bond. Oh, you think it's coming to an Well, end. Dan Daniel Craig's James Bond has come to an uh, end. Yeah, and it's going to be weird next time, right? They're like... Well, yes, I think it's going it to be... it ended like five years ago. Creepy and self-aware about how rapey the character is for the next Bond. Like, like, there's a lot of interviews, like, like reckoning with that character. Daniel Craig didn't change that in his Bond. Ah, uh, he. Uh, hey. there, there, I mean, there are definitely leanings to. So, I watched No Time to Die, the brand new Bond film. Right. In nice, fact, nice. I watched it twice. Whoa. I actually watched it again today, um, because I really wanted to see it again in cinema before it ends. I don't know how familiar you both are with Bond and specifically Daniel Craig's Bond and the the Oh the I story. love the Sean Connery Bond. I've I've seen most of what the I Sean asked, Connerys. Yes. I've seen okay. like half of the Daniel Craig's. I, All right. I know I know my way kinda sort of around Bond. Okay. I would okay. say I've seen like half of the movies in total. Okay. And there's a lot of them. There's like thirty at this point or something. There is a lot. I'm a huge Bond fan. Always have been. And Craig, I personally think, is now probably the best Bond that's existed. I think he's fantastic. And it was, uh, for anybody who knows like the background storyline that's been going through all of Craig's films, which is about Spectre and about Staff Blofeld and all of the other things that are going around. He creepy cat boy. Yeah, creepy cat boy. And the fact is that's never been very good. It's been like a very weird storyline that just kind of lingers and never really got like going in a good way. And Spectre was just a terrible movie. It was a really bad movie. So it's not worth going back and watching those. Uh, yeah, it's worth going back now because... Oh. No Time to Die is is brilliant. I actually think it's either the best or second best Craig Bond film after Casino Royale, which I think is, you know, fantastic. No Time to Die is, is a brilliant film as well. I think it's just a very great, it's a great film to watch. But the one thing that I love so much about it was that it was so emotional. It was all about Bond. Like, forget the villain. Rami Malek's villain in it is like, meh. Doesn't really matter, but Aww. it's all about Bond and it's all about like him evolving and moving on and, you know, Daniel Craig moving on. And I, I, I loved it. I really felt super emotional. I actually almost cried at the end of my first watch of it. So, so is there a kind of thing going on now where, where now that the, 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 the Daniel Craig Septilogy, or however many, like there's a recurring storyline that made less sense until it was completed. Now, there was a, so every Bond film has like it's who is the villain of the week, right? It has that, but there was always this thing that it was always tied back to Spectre, which is you know the books 
ongoing villain and and then Blofeld being the leader of that right and of course yeah. Blofeld is in the old Connery films he's a bit in the uh, in the uh, Roger Moore he films is, he is Dr. Evil that is, yeah, that is yeah, where yeah. that character comes exactly from. right that's what yeah Dr. Evil is based on right cat cat bald scarred cat boy and King Koopa from Super Mario Brothers 93 anyways <laughs> but yeah so you know there is Things are larger stakes. The 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 weapon and the the plan of the villain in this is quite terrifying. Like the fact that you know if something like that were to exist would be fucking terrifying. Or if it does exist somewhere, we should be terrified. Remy Malik is pretty meh, arguably as the villain, but he's not important, which is fine because that means that the movie can move forward without him. But the stakes that Daniel Craig's Bond is put under in this film is hugely personal and more and it, it, it just makes you feel more it makes you care and it makes you care about what is going to happen with Spectre and like the tangential storyline which the other movies never could do and I think it does it really well Daniel Craig is amazing in this movie he's it, it's easily his best performance as Bond outside of Casino Royale which you know his first outing was just wonderful it's so like well shot and filmed brilliantly and goes from the pace never lets up it's it's the longest bond film it's almost three hours long but it doesn't feel like it because every act is like tight and precise and moves into the next one nicely there's a lot going on like you know it's one of those movies where you think back on the beginning you're like oh that feels so long ago because so much happens and it feels really serious like you've got that image of bond in your mind it's like a jolly good adventure kind of you know suave exotic locations gadgets bond's never really gonna no, you know, nothing's going to happen to him. He's superhuman, blah, blah, blah. This movie, it's, it's kind of a bit different. It has those elements of a Bond film that need to be there. But ultimately, it's just about Daniel Craig's Bond and how he moves on from the role and tying up that story. And it's good. I like it. I really, really, really liked it. I kind of appreciate the symmetry to the Daniel Craig Bond lineup in that Casino Royale was kind of a soft reboot that also like like did a harsh examination of this character and how like despite being in a in a fancy romantic movie with with high high stakes gambling and expensive stuff everywhere he still kind of has this like weird sociopathic streak regarding how easily he can kill people and casino royale like got into why he like screws over so many women in the process of the adventures that like i i i mean when a franchise gets this old it feels like it's kind of inevitable that it's going to do some postmodern self-examination there is a lot of there yeah there's definitely a lot of that there's a lot of female empowerment there, there might have been a lot of like in direction and intention throughout the past like 15 years or something of of uh how many years he's been doing this well i don't know if you know who phoebe waller bridge is she wrote and starred in a series called fleabag and she yeah, was yeah yeah i know fleabag and she's amazing she co-wrote this movie Mm. And hmm. obviously, that has more envisioned to the the females that are in in this. And there is a basically a Bond equivalent of another double O in Mashallah Lynch, who is you know this female Bond 
is quite young. She's, you know, the forward-thinking part of MI6, right? And of course, she goes head to, you know, head to head with Bond in many aspects. And she's meant to be this, you know, Bond's moved on. He's old and blah blah blah. Um, but she's really well done. But there is a scene with I think her name is Anna de Fres or something like this actress who is in one scene, not one scene, but one part of the film in Cuba, and. She's meant to be like part of the CIA and stuff like that. And essentially, all the scene is, is Bond meeting somebody who's meant to help him and she absolutely fucking kicks ass. It's so good. It's really great. Like it can be pandering or you could think it's pandering or whatever. It doesn't matter because the character is amazing, incredibly well written. And the scene itself that she plays out in where she easily matches Bond in many different ways, but she's joking about the fact that she only had three weeks training is really, really good. So there is a lot of female empowerment. And the idea is that, you know, Bond is moving on or he is, you know, there's a lot of quips about the fact that he's slept with a lot of women and also like, does he have this effect on all women, blah, blah, blah. And people being like, oh, he's just an old man or whatever, right? Which you can take or leave. But the fact is there's a lot of female empowerment. There's a lot of reflection from Bond. He's still bitter and he's still, you know, doesn't trust anybody and he is what he is, but I, I don't necessarily think that, that that's a bad thing. And I also don't think it gets in the way of what makes this film great, which is Daniel Craig's Bond. He's, he's fantastic and I really enjoyed the story. It was great. I really, really liked it. And I think if you're a fan of the Bond series or you're a fan of good movies and stuff, you should totally watch <laughs> it. It's good stuff. Real good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So with the negatives, I can be positive. So so you're angry about one cross over transmedia uh, 20 year old franchise, but you're happy about another uh, <laughs> very, very long, like 60 year old franchise. Yeah, one with, ended with good. 25 sequels. Yeah, one ended emotionally amazing, on a high, fantastic, made me cry. And the other one ended negatively terrible and made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Emotional roller coaster here on the Dad and Sons podcast. I know, like, right? Uh, like every few weeks. I was about to say like every week, but really it's it's every few weeks. But um, I pleasantly enjoyed a, a video game over the past week. If you want to keep the the good times rolling, oh, let's yeah, let's keep going. I'm interested to see what Matt thinks of what I think is negative, but we'll see. <laughs> I played the uh unmetal i i thought it was called unmetal man of action but as it yeah. turns out just the trailer is called unmetal man of action the regular old full game is just plain old called unmetal and it is a delightful little 20 dollar pixel art indie game that captured my attention a lot more than Deathloop. Unmetal is a parody game of Metal Gear Solid. It is specifically done in the style of Metal Gear 2, actually, before they, they started calling those games solid. You have a top-down 2D pixel art adventure with heavy stealth game elements that they've done a surprising amount of work to bring into the current years. You can hide bodies. You can uh, use use distraction items to make noises against walls. There are various stages of guard alertness where they won't immediately raise the alarm if they first see you. You got a split second or so to, to react. There are little preview icons that show you ahead of time what enemies are on the next screen you can move into, which is something that the old 2D Metal Gear games this is based off of could have really used to uh, make things 
feel snappy and more satisfying. And that's what I think is like uh, the the big pleasant surprise about this thing is that it's kind of like a reinforcement of of something that I think a lot of Metal Gear fans have always been attesting nowadays, and that is that a modern smaller budgeted PC targeted release of the old pixel art Metal Gear game, specifically Metal Gear 2, would go over really, really well. It it plays smooth and 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 snappy and, and easy. There's a surprising amount of degree of interactivity with things. A lot of the uh, objects placed around the environment will do something quirky and fun if you punch them. Like, you know, the, the whole flushable toilets test for, for an immersive sim. This game passes that stuff. But the sake of it being a Metal Gear parody, I think, is where things are kind of faltering. I remembered really enjoying the trailer, but uh, the trailer had a a guy impersonating David Hayter's snake voice. I was not ready for that to be narrating your way through the whole game. Uh, the that guy's voice does get old as the hours upon hours roll on. About a it's, it's still a short game, about eight to ten hours, maybe six, depending on how fast you are. Yeah, the the humor is like. Eh, Kind of standard boilerplate video game comedy humor of why are you repeatedly punching these boxes? Sir, there might be something inside. I guess uh, I, I am letting out some some steam from being an, a captured prisoner trying to escape from this base. People will question the character on obvious video game stuff they're doing. They won't have an easy answer. But besides that, the guy kind of just sort of feels like he struggled to write down a few pages of notes of, uh, of, of jokes and, and threw them all into a kind of blender of a, of a comedy setting. It, it makes me wonder how well a serious, more serious non-comedy attempt at, at this genre would go. But it's, it's also still kind of cool to see that games like this exist. I, I like that we're in a part of a video game history where you can make pure satire parody games at this time. It's still hit or miss of an overall pleasant, good, comforting, smooth, easy, fun time ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, writing and voice acting a little spotty gameplay, though, is like surprisingly polished for, for most of your way through. I appreciated it. <laughs> I can see why why it's not exactly setting the the indie game media on fire at the moment, but it does seem like even if you don't like Metal Gear, you'll still get some. Is it more out of like it. the like the MSX games kind of thing? Does yeah. it does it just look like that and plays like a Metal Gear game, or does it actually play like those games too? It plays more like the MSX games than the solid games. However, movement is more responsive and snappy and. Uh, polished feeling than the old late 80s, early 90s MSX games. But the visual style of the game and kind of sort of the way the levels are laid out is is most squarely targeted at Metal Gear 2 on the MSX2 rather than any other game in the franchise. More so than, than Metal Gear 1 or Metal Gear Solid 1. It's, it's, it's targeted at uh, Metal Gear 2. God, it's so complicated to try and differentiate, you know, <laughs> when I'm talking about Metal Gear 2, not Metal Gear Solid 2, nor Metal Gear Solid, which is more like a Metal Gear 3. This game is a Metal Gear 2 game. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. How long is it? Eight to ten hours, depending on how fast oh, okay. you can go. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you can squeeze it out in six if you don't die, but I died a few times. They, they uh, have a, a quirky bathroom save system, like... 
like Dead Rising, but I guess one of the weirder quirks of modern game design is that it's auto-saving all the time anyway, so you don't really need it. It's just kind of like it used that opportunity to make jokes about how you save your game in bathrooms and video games sometimes. Nice. That's good. Yeah. So as like a Metal Gear fan, then you 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 give it the George Metal Gear solid of approval. Yep, yep. As a Metal Gear fan, it was a a pleasant, you know, not not the best thing in the world, but absolutely a, a pleasant, fun, comfort game sort of experience. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're not a Metal Gear fan, it'll it'll still do something for you. Like the 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 formula and the genre that Metal Gear Two is aiming at is more like top down adventure than dedicated stealth game or dedicated top down shooter game, and there aren't a lot of other games from that era that play like it. But uh, yeah, yeah, adventure game elements too is another thing this thing does that the originals didn't, like combining items in your inventory to solve puzzles. Oh, that's cool. I mean, yeah, Metal Gear's always had interesting UI, right? But never really done anything for you to mess with it other than the camouflage stuff, really. Oh, I don't know. And taking Metal Gear Solid, the list of Easter eggs is very, very long. Like, remember how you can spin Snake around in your menus to make him vomit? <laughs> I don't think that helps you solve puzzles, though, does it? But but it it helps you know establish the like weird humorous flavor and and Eddie is eating paper right now. I see. But uh, it it really stop like, him. Clues me. And uh, yeah, I, I, I waved him over. He, he's, he's fine. He's not going to die from chewing on paper. But it made me think about how effective Metal Gear Solid's humor is because the rest of the presentation is so attempt at, I don't know, teenager cool serious. Whereas when the whole flavor of the game starts with comedy by default, all of the little weird quirky things like like UI gags like that, they they don't hit as hard because you kind of expect there to be some kind of quota of jokes per minute coming in. And in a in a Metal Gear Solid game, the humor just and in Death Stranding, in a Kojima game, the humor will take you off guard. And I feel like that's one of the, the more awkward, painful lessons learned when when going through this. Nice. Well, that's pretty good. It's good to hear that the Metal Gear, like we're seeing indie versions of Metal Gear games now. Like, you know, right? a lot it, of it is franchises cool. have been tackled, but Metal Gear, of course. And and Metal Gear 2 specifically is such a fresh target. Not not many games have played like that before or since, but like aiming at that level of of fidelity and budget could be a really, really good project for a lot of modern pixel art indie developers looking for a, a solid way to make a 2D top-down adventure. Hmm. I'm interested if people take like 3D ones. I do believe Matt played Metal Gear 2, right? Yeah, I played them all, my friend. I've played yeah, them Yeah, Metal all. Gear 2 is is one of the, the best of the series that yeah. not a lot of people remember. Yeah, man. And then they he remade it to Metal Gear Solid and... It's so interesting. Yeah, it clues you into how much of a remake Metal Gear Solid oh, is what? Yeah, of, of Metal remake. Gear 2. Yeah, it, it was, man, that was a fascinating review, man, going through that. It's such a, a, a solid base for inspiration for a lot of projects, I'm sure. And it's, it's nice to finally see, like, at least one. You remember when I was starting reviewing... And I was still doing I was still doing Guild Wars 2 videos when I met you. And then I was like asking you 
It's like, what do you think about the review? You remember that that whole thing? I was like, oh, what are your tips and shit? You remember? Man, that was so long ago. I remember Metal Gear Solid 3 not really clicking with you until you watched me play it. Yeah. And that was also kind of a, a harsh, you know, wake up call to how weird that game's controls are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I, yeah. I definitely stopped that Peace Walker was just like, just like a no. Was it Peace Walker? Yeah, it was Peace Walker. That was that was, that was just too weird for me, man. Got super great reviews and is a lot of people's favorite game in the series. But I, I do not. I like Peace Walker. Yeah. Oh, huh? oh, oh. You say what? I like Peace Walker. We got one. Oh, so you, you, you like going in the box with little kids. Is that, is that well, what, that's what you like to do, Leon? Is that, is that, I could never get past it. That, that is, that, it, I, I could never get past it. I understand she's not that young in reality in the universe, it's but you didn't know that. Like, it, it gets was weirder in five with her, but. I would argue it gets weirder in five with with Paz. Yeah, we happened with Paz and five. Zeroes ended. I just yeah, remember exactly. Quiet like basically bending over that. for you. Yeah, she 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 smears her butthole onto the camera. It helps her breathe. She Ugh. breathes through her butthole. Jesus, <laughs> like Kojima is just such a weird motherfucker, man. Jesus yeah. Christ, yeah. man. So, oh, uh, I saw a box. So I was in Tokyo this weekend and I saw a box in Super Potato. It was a original Metal Gear Solid, like, collector's edition from the first Metal Gear Solid. And it was signed Hideo Kojima, 1998, <laughs> with Yoshikawa drawing a little snake on it as well. That box has sat there for, th- what, 23 years from <laughs> Kojima's original signature of it. How much that, the, your man's been around a long time. We forget, like, he's been around for. Th- 30 plus years now. It's crazy. How much is it? George asked how much. It wasn't for sale. It wasn't for sale. Oh, Oh, okay. It said not for sale on it. Weird thing is that when reading media from back then, he already had name recognition from Snatcher and Police Knots in in America. Like those were more popular than the original Metal Gear MSX games. The NES one was like like a medium-sized hit, but. Well, who had an MSX in America anyway? Nobody. Yeah, he did. It, the gaming magazines of the time will like say Hideo Kojima and then in parentheses, <laughs> police knots, snatcher, like uh, somehow those those weird Sega CD adventure games still still gave him a reputation over here before the big bomb with Metal Gear. Anyways, yeah, uh, unmetal. Nice. It's a, 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 a good, clean, pleasant time. So, Matt, how you feeling about a new world? You guys have synchronicity. You both were playing. We both played. Matt's probably so, played way more okay. than I have, but I'm interested to hear. Oh, I definitely <laughs> have. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like 30 something. Jesus. It takes a long time to level. So this is, okay. I'm, I'll say one thing and then you can go, Liam. It's basically 3D RuneScape. What do you think? <laughs> It's like the most boring MMO I've ever played in my life. Oh, boy. I like, <laughs> I get that it's all about crafting, right? But I think it, coming off the back of Valheim, I feel so 
weird about crafting because that game where you craft feels like you make a difference. Whereas I don't know about this. It's like about the economy. It's about... Yeah. Completely player-driven, right? It's like, yeah, it's player-driven. It's it's very interesting. It's not the same MMO. It's not like you're going to go in, you're going to enjoy the story and, mm-hmm. and all that. No, you're going to be, for the first part, you're going to be walking um, to all these places because you have to manually walk to every town first before you fast travel and you they did raise the the fast travel points that you get uh so you can get it a lot faster um it's still bad because it's still kind of it kind of sucks that it's a cost but like i think it has a lot to do with because it's it's centered around pvp and obviously you can set your flag to pvp or not when you get out of a town how many people have you set have you seen with it on? There's a few. There's oh, there's right, like okay. a lot. Like people people play with PvP on. I, I play with PvP on sometimes, but because you get ten okay. percent extra bonus XP and um oh, okay. you can take certain quests that give you a lot of XP as well and faction points. The faction points allow you to unlock gear, you know, and then you can use the points that you get to buy the gear. Everything has like a purpose. Like when you're rocking around. You see like a plant, it will give you like like herbs that you can then craft into linen. And 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 then there's like like a cow that you can milk to get to get butter and then and then turn that into like a pastry. Like it just everything has like purpose. It is interesting. I think they spent most of their time creating this ridiculous ridiculous like crafting system yeah where everything you gather has something has a purpose to do something and in that if you are into crafting this is the ultimate mmo for you if you like gathering and and all that that this is it this is the game for you if you're looking for something that with intrigue and a purpose instead of questing, <laughs> you know, where the voice acting cuts out after the first beginner area and you're literally like, oh, there's no more, there's no more voice acting, I guess. It gets really boring after that. The thing is, it's very relaxing and I enjoyed it because it was relaxing. It was a way for me to turn my brain off and listen to this podcast called Wolf 359. It's like a uh, it's like an audio experience thing. It's like, what do you call those podcasts where there's like a story? I forgot what you call those uh, things. A radio drama. A radio drama. Wolf 359. It's a, it's a... Like our grandparents used to do. Yeah. Like years ago, never finished it. So I re-listened to it while chopping trees like it reminded me of runescape yeah i can see that because there is absolutely no reason to have the audio on whatsoever just there is no, zero. There is no reason. just There's absolute zero, zero a reason yeah. to have the audio on yeah if you're, if you're gonna tell me that the lore is good i no no it's i don't i don't think and you so. hear the crafting sounds over and over and over and over again yeah 
So what is supposed to be special about New World? Because I, I can't pinpoint it for like the life of me, like like in, in terms of, of like selling from screenshots and videos, it looks generic. It looks old. And like the one notable thing that a lot of the previews were, were, were pointing out is that, oh, they have Amazon money behind it. But it does not look like it's it's uh, it hitting good. a really high target of production. But you think so? Yeah, it looks maybe good. like in motion when it's like blown up in front of your face, but, I, but from like I, art style, I feel like Guild Wars Two is prettier in screenshots. I, 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 yeah, I would say that I feel like it looks good as a video game, like a three D video game, but it has no personality whatsoever. Personality, yeah. Where is what is the game's personality? What's the? What's Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Witcher Two. It looks like the Witcher hmm. Two to me. Like the environments. Uh, yeah, I can see looks that. Looks exactly the same. Not the characters, but... Yeah, it's because it's like a lot of open fields. All the towns yeah. kind of look the same. Except for the, the when you get to the next areas. Because if you're in the beginning areas, all the towns look the same until the next mm -hmm. areas. It's all about after the beginning areas. So you, you guys are... You're probably going to be looking at the, the three areas that are 1 through 25. And then the other ones are like higher level. And then there's okay. like swamps and fucking rivers and shit like that. Like it's just, it's, but it, it is also the armor is kind of the same. And for me, an MMO has to have that good that armor. end game. Yeah. The reason to keep going, right? The reason to keep going. Me, yeah. Like Matt is like, it gave me a musket, right? So I could use a musket. And I actually was really enjoying I, yeah. using it. And I was like, yeah. wow, this feels different for an MMO. Yeah. Like after using the sword and shield and, and shit. I was like, well, that's fine. Also, the combat is fucking all over the place. But I used the musket and I was like, oh, this feels this pretty feels good. good right? And, and then, then, I, then I ran out of bullets. Yeah. And that's it. And that was it. That this was is it. what I complained about last time. I was like, why can't I just use the fucking musket? Why do you have to have bullets? But why no. do I have to craft them? And I never have any of the fucking things for it yeah. when I could craft everything else. But no, the cool, fun thing that I was enjoying using, uh, arrowheads find that shit all the time. Where's my bullets? Why can't I specialize in the musket? It's so it annoying. Is, it is the worst part. It is the worst part is that you can't play this because I think they're trying to they don't want you to be able to just use the musket. They want it to be like some secondary weapon. And I'm like, why? Why have it in the game as some secondary weapon that you switch to? Well, that's to? the thing. I was using it like that. Like, because obviously, beginning of the game, you put all your fucking skills in sword and shield just because that's the only weapon you bloody have for a while. And then, so you've got the Q and the R and the whatever on that skill and you're doing like the whirlwind and the shield bash. And then you get something like the arrow, bow and arrow, which I, is pretty terrible. But then you get the musket and you're like, great. So you can shoot like a wolf in the head and then a wolf runs up you really quickly. So you don't use the musket anymore. You switch to the sword and shield. And I felt like the dynamic of combat was starting to make a bit more sense then. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I can see, but, I can see what we're going for. And then I ran out of bullets. And then it's but, like, well, I haven't even got a secondary it, weapon anymore. You got to remember, this is a crafting economy MMO, built-in MMO. So, like, is either you craft it yourself or you Eve. go to a town that has cheap bullets, which basically you want to go to a town that has a lot of iron around the area 
that people are farming uh, and gunpowder and stuff. And those, there's going to be a, a certain supply of bullets. So yeah. that's where you buy, that's where you would find cheap bullets to buy. Because every town has its own like trading posts that have different prices based on the area, based on uh, supply and demand. So in order to get the bullets, you probably want to go to Everfall or something like that, where it have a lot of iron in it. And then you buy a bunch of bullets and then you're good to go. And you're making money from other things, questing or selling your own stuff that people need in that area. That's how the game is played. So if you wanted a whole shitload of bullets, which will eventually happen because the game progresses when everyone progresses. Yeah. And like if you don't engage in that, you're you you're out. That's it. You Yeah. If you're ahead of the curve, if you're like like if you're level 40, like near me, like you're ever level 40, you're like, fuck, like everyone needs to catch up in order for things to get a little cheaper. Um yeah, crafting your own do- gathering weapons kind of suck <laughs> if you're not leveling those things up. Yeah. If you're interested in doing your own taxes and shit like that, then this is the MMO. This is the MMO for you. Like, (laughs) hopefully, I'm doing a. I think I'm doing a a decent job. Like this, this game is not a regular MMO. No, it's not a regular MMO. But it's not. But at the same time, it is because all of the quests and everything like that feels like an MMO straight out of 2008. (sighs) Every MMO that tried to copy World of Warcraft. And failed miserably. This is that MMO. That is, you've played it a thousand times. They failed when it came down to the questing. Like, why do it so generic? It's so, like. Like, you have the the building bones to do something. And then you just, you just, you just have this boring writing, boring, like, the voice acting could be better. Like, what are you guys, come on, man, you're Amazon. You couldn't you couldn't get something cool going on as a walking to someone with a little with a little uh explanation point on their top of their heads and you just say, hey, what's what yeah, you doing? It's, it's like, oh, ju- I need you to go yeah. kill twelve wolves and get, yeah. bring me their pelts. <laughs> the ju- the joke about, like, like that, yeah. The joke about like, World bring of Warcraft. Me six wolf pelts. It's yeah. it's it's the game. It's like the entire game. It's ugh. Questing is the worst part. Questing is the worst part, but I gotta say, like, it is. I do, I do enjoy. It. I haven't played it in the last two days, though. I stopped playing because I reached that point where I'm just like, okay, I need something more to to keep me going. I think I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna take a break, <laughs> wait for people to catch up, and then I'll level up for the the last the last few. Or I might not even come back to it if a, a good game comes out. To be honest, um, but I, I, it's like what like I like it, but I have to play it with a podcast. Yeah, you have to do something else. I was playing it while watching SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah. I want to get to fucking the max level, but it's a lot. Like it takes a while. It takes too long to be honest to go through this. I'm like, I I rather literally pay for a, a double XP. <laughs> At this point, like, this is like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't, this is taking so long for me to be able to be able to do like the next dungeon. I want to see how, what the next dungeon looks like. And I'm, it's like a carrot on the stick. But to, yeah. to get to that, you have to do that. And like, uh, there's like, um, 
if you get to the higher levels of of like wood cutting, for instance, there's like this gap where you're just cutting wood over and over and over and over and over again, and it takes too long to level up that wood thing. So you have to grind it out in order to get to like from level 50 to 100 because you don't unlock a new wood type that gives you more XP for cutting it. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a little bit of that where it's just like these little gaps kind of suck. And I'm in that gap, I feel, where I'm like 35, 36, and and I'm just like, okay, I just I need something to get me over the edge. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting MMO. I I did enjoy it and I, I'll probably play some more, but I definitely understand your take of it being boring as hell. Boring as hell. Um, <laughs> I get I get that yeah. for sure. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Sure. I just, as someone who doesn't really engage in economies and games and stuff like that, well, or in MMO specifically, like you have to want what the game offers you. And you're right. It's all about the crafting. It's all about the economy. It's all about engaging in those systems. And if you don't want to engage PvP. in those systems, don't yeah. play the game. Just don't. The combat, I like, I, I do like real-time action combat. And I think when you get the dynamic of like switching between weapons and stuff like that, it can be slightly interesting. But the combat, even the combat, like the hitboxes and stuff felt really dodgy and off and just hmm. a bit rough. Like, so that part was like mediocre, which laid down as well. So, and the question Oh, you're talking so about like when you try to hit a wolf and it like doesn't hit? It doesn't yeah. hit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, happened yeah. to me a few times. I'm like, what is, what is going on here? It happened a lot. There was a lot of problems, I think, were around the launch in terms of that kind of stuff. Wolves just diving through rocks and disappearing. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit rough. But even then, when it's working, it's it's fine. It's just fine. It's no Guild Wars. It's not Guild Wars. It's not Guild Wars 2. It's not Guild Wars. Guild Wars. It's absolutely not that. It's not even close. Yeah. It yeah, Guild Wars, Guild Wars well. has shiny weapons, okay? Legendary what, what, shiny uh, faction weapons. did you join? Uh, Syndicate, of course. Okay. There is no other, there's no other faction. It's only Syndicate. Marauders. I joined the Marauders. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is, it's probably best to just join the one that's uh, overpowering the server, to be honest. <laughs> because you get to like, you get like certain benefits, like you low cost uh, travel and everything. There's like benefits to, to everything. Everything is mapped out. Like, mm. it's almost genius the way they do, like, that part of the game is, like, great. If you like the PvP, if you like the crafting, if you like, that, that's that's the stuff that works. And I, I think it's going to have its audience, for sure. I think, uh, yeah. I think it, because, I mean, MMOs, MMOs have kind of died out a little bit. You know, it's not like what it used to be. Like, I used to play an MMO every week back in the day. Back when I used to make videos. This Remember does those feel days? like one of those MMOs though. It does feel like one of those MMOs that came along and then just isn't as good as the rest. So it just dies. Like it's never going to compete with Final Fantasy. I like, don't know if I could be that harsh. Well, no, it's not Final Fantasy. It's never going to be Final Fantasy though. Like, no, it's, I know, but it's I, a don't, different I, thing. Don't, I don't, I don't think yeah. the long tail will compete. Even though it's had what? 600,000 concurrent players on Steam or whatever absolute ridiculousness is going on with it. Like everybody in their dog I'm watching George throw toys at Eddie. So, I've I've been playing the the ultimate MMO fetch with Eddie. Yeah. 
you're probably having more fun, to be honest. I could do a video essay about Fetch. Fetch is such an interesting game. Anyways, continue. <laughs> if you do that, that would be the end of time. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, I don't know. It just feels super generic as well. Critical close-up, Fetch. Um, <laughs> I'll be intrigued to see if you go back to it and you and you uh, go and you yeah. play it like, like yeah, especially if expect because of course expansions are going to come. The game sold a bajillion. It's great that it doesn't have a subscription. Of course, it's just a one-time buy-in, which is good. I want a subscription, man. I want it bad. I want it. I want it bad. The reason why is that the storage system is so but it's bad. got transactions, right? It's- no, the the microchip is all cosmetic. Oh, okay. It's okay. all cosmetic. It's all cosmetic. But like, I I want a subscription because if, well, I only want it if you can bridge all your your storage between all the towns, because I am so tired of the storage. The storage is like the you worst part of the game. The, yeah, if you leave stuff in one town, you have to go back to it, right? It is. Yeah, it's so bad, and then you have to pay more to carry things across whatever. Time, space, whatever, whatever that uh, trans teleporting thing is. The universe. The universe. You have (laughs) encumbrance free, and I'm just like, fuck that, man. Yeah, but that 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 is the worst part of the MMO for me, because like I want to, oh, I want to craft some from food. Oh, I left all my food in the other town because the quest brought me into this town, but I didn't bring all the food that I got. That's like I can't hold all that food. So and then bad. I have to walk there because I can't yeah. even fast travel. Oh yeah, boy. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. Uh, it, oh, it's boy, a lot of time oh, boy, wasting. Oh, a lot of yeah. time wasting. But um, yeah. I want to quick mention that. Have you guys watched The Boys? I've watched the first season. I haven't watched the second yet. I've watched the first, yeah. What do you think about The Boys? I haven't finished it. I um, enjoyed I'm, it. Yeah. The I, first I episode is pretty hard to get through. I'm not going to lie. Holy shit. Ooh. I you like remember it. the first episode? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was dark. I was like, wow, that's, that's rough. I felt uh, very sorry for him. Yeah. I, it was a little heartbreaking, to be honest. I was like, man, this is how you start. This is how, this is how it is. But yeah, they really put you in a mood. I've never wanted someone to die so badly in that first episode. Oh, no, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy. That guy needs to, 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 to die. They're all horrible people. They're all <laughs> they're, horrible they're all, people. They're all horrible people. <laughs> this, is, this is if superheroes were Dicks. all corporate monsters. Hmm. And I gotta say it's good. I like it. I like it. I mean, it's it's not it's like real invincible, but yeah, except, yeah. right, you know. But like, uh, I I I mean, I like invincible because this there's a little bit there's a little bit of niceness in it. This this there's world is re- yeah. yeah this this world is horrible, really bad. I mean, there's some really dark moments. So if you want to feel like shit, watch the boys, because um, it will <laughs> definitely take you there. Kind of like what Dark Mirror does to your soul. Black Mirror. It, but it's, I wouldn't say it's a good time, but it, it's uh, it's fun to watch. I don't even know what to Colourban. say. Colourban. I yeah, enjoy it. Yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Mother's Milk. Mother's Milk. <laughs> Frenchie's, no, Frenchie's a, uh, a shining light. Yeah, Frenchie's, Frenchie's, Frenchie's a good. shining light. Okay, yeah, there we go. There we go. Frenchie. And his, new, and his girlfriend. <laughs> and his girlfriend, um, but it's yes, good. 
It's yeah. good. It's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Good show. A lot of good shows in a moment. Yeah. Thank God. You know, there's a little bit of drought uh, at the beginning of the year, but now video games and shows, they're kind of, oh. you know, steadily going up. You know? up. Yeah. And also, I mean, I can't help but notice that like movies are really, really long now. You said that the new James Bond movie was almost three hours, right? Oh, yeah, geez. it is. Yeah. You think that like this is a, a pandemic thing, that this is the, the result of movies releasing for home viewing instead of theater viewing where you have to circulate 90 minutes of customers in and out on a schedule all day and can't leave for bathroom <laughs> breaks. No, I, I, it, it might be a real thing. It might be a real phenomenon of the economy I just feel like people have more, the pandemic. I think people are more tolerant of what they watch just because they've got nothing else to do. Marvel movies are, are getting longer and, and Bond movies are getting longer. That's definitely something to, to notice, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, I think the Bond movie, you know, the Bond movie needed to do certain things to end. So that's why that's almost three hours long. But I think, yeah, you can get away with certain stuff. I can't remember how long Green Knight was, but Green Knight was pretty Green long Knight too. Green Knight was pretty long, yeah. yeah. Squid Game is like 12 hours or so. So fucking well worth 12 hours. Oh, absolutely. Can you believe that show is now the number one watch show on Netflix? That's insane. Oh my God. I have normie friends who know what that is. It's insane. That goes to show the quality of that TV show. Yeah. the When you got the good ass soundtrack, okay? And you got good actors. Okay, I swear to God, if people, I wonder how many people watch it in dub. Oh my God. Even Taika Wahiti posted a tweet saying, do not watch Squid Game in dub. You better not. And then he not. had a load of flack. And then he had a load of flack from like English voice actors saying, but it's really good. And he's like, no, it's not. not. Point. It's not the point. <laughs> it's not good. First of all, it's not good at all. It's never good. It's never good. Unless, unless it's anime. Because anime, it, it, when you're... When it's like cartoons, three you know, two D cartoons, it's a little bit different. But you yeah, can you see the mouths that. move, and it's just weird. It's weird. Like your brain does something when it's real people having their their voice dubbed. It's it just it, you can't get into the moment. Especially if they're an ethnicity that doesn't necessarily match the voice, right? Yes, that, yes. that is also a bit of a problem, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I I mean, just watch Squid Game. It's brilliant. Yeah. So good. Very, very, very good. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that fucking flute is. Uh. (laughs) So good. God. uh, Man, I love when good shows come out, man. It makes me feel so good. (laughs) Well, to bring us all back down to earth, George. It seems you have some Konami rumors to tell us about this week. You, You guys been looking at the video game news this week? No. <laughs> there are stronger. Yeah, I mean, it's it's we we don't got any uh, Mario movie casting like last week. The the banter wasn't quite as fun. I don't know. I saw some fun banter literally an hour ago when uh, the Sora was revealed. But yeah, we yeah, already did the uh, most important news. Big, the, the big disappointing news. Big news this week that I I thought was was the big news are um, more stronger rumors than usual regarding Konami trying to bring back Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hills. There are a number of stories on Video Games Chronicle 
who have what they say are multiple anonymous corroborated sources saying that, that remakes and reboots are in the works. Um, the Metal Gear Solid ones of which they are now saying is actually going to be a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake. Uh, around last year, there were some YouTubers who had uh, said they were being given information that Bluepoint was working on a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake. As of right now, those rumors are changing to a different studio called Virtuos working on a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake. Virtuos previously worked on the Switch ports of Dark Souls Remastered, The Outer Worlds, The Bioshock Collection, and they've also done contract contributing work on Uncharted 4 and Horizon Zero Dawn. And the choice of them going with Metal Gear Solid 3 over Metal Gear Solid 1, I think, is kind of sort of a, a weird one in this case. I was more ready to believe the rumors over the Metal Gear Solid 1 remake coming out for PlayStation 5 at some point over the next two years, because that would also correlate with the release of the, the movie, which is supposed to be an adaptation of Metal Gear Solid 1. Uh, but nowadays, VGC is saying it's Metal Gear Solid 3, actually. So... These sources are also telling VGC that Silent Hill games are also in development, which they had also published a story of rumors on earlier in February. The Silent Hill games are in development by what they're calling various external development studios. They do mention that one of the points of contention when trying to pitch these new projects was whether or not Konami was going to do them in-house or with external studios. And it sounds like what they are reporting here is that if these franchises come back, it's going to be external studios and not Konami trying to wing together a, an in-house team Kojima style because that you know, did not end well last time they... They made their 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 final AAA games of MGS Five and uh, what well, Metal Gear Survive. Yeah, that one supposedly was the nail in the coffin for in-house gaming divisions of Konami. In February, yeah. they restructured the company. They publicly stated they were dissolving the productions divisions. In some follow-up interviews, they clarified that it's more like consolidating the productions divisions and shuffled around some executives. Some uh, former executive managers are, are, are now general managers and production division presidents and, and, and things that sound more like uh, project-oriented tasks instead of company-wide tasks. But uh, yeah, I still... I, I've talked about this a lot, but it still, for me, is kind of sort of in the realm of I'll believe it when I see it style of story. I, I, I don't know if I feel as strongly about believing in the rumors of a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake as I would have strongly believed in the rumors of a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake. I don't, I don't know if that one's going to quite hit the targets they'd be wanting yeah. in terms of, of bringing back this, this company making legendary games again. Metal Gear Solid 3 is is kind of more of a specialized spinoff story for the fans. It's not the iconic one, they're turning into a movie over the next year. Metal Gear Solid 3 also has not aged that poorly. I, I believe you can yeah, get past it doesn't. the control It's still scheme. pretty good. It's still a yeah. solid game. It still looks good, feels good. <laughs> it's still a solid game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Castlevania. Castlevania is, is on the list, too. Again, support from local external studios for, for Castlevania. I forgot the, the third 
freckled stepchild of the legendary Konami franchises. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid, Silent Hill, and Castlevania are all rumored to to be in the works, and these rumors come and go all the fucking time. But this this one is is a little more legit than the usual from from a big media outlet that has been publishing these stories for for months now and seem to have a uh, narrative in mind in terms of how the company was restructuring to potentially bring these new projects out to, to light again. Yeah, I guess, uh, uh, questions. How, how would you feel about getting a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake rather than a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake? No, no. I completely agree with what you said. Why would I, you I mean, I'll still take it over nothing, but... Well, then again, I don't know if it's really, really bad. I wouldn't want to take it over nothing. Does it but. need to be remade, like, arguably? It can, doesn't no. need to be... No. I don't think so. And I feel like Metal Gear Solid 1 is just like such a classic timeless story in comparison. Maybe easier to adapt to a like shorter tech demo game for a next-gen platform too. I, I, to be honest, I was I don't thinking think, the strategy was. I don't think any of them should be touched, to be honest. Like there's something about the way the characters move and like... Otacon pissing himself faces. and stuff like that. That just only works with those graphics. Like, I don't want to see that in high res. You know what I mean? It's already been remade once, and that was not one of the fan favorites of the series. The Twin Snakes <laughs> is, like, regarded as a as a fun experiment or an oddity. Definitely not the definitive way to experience MGS1. Oh, by the pe- same people who made Two Human. Those guys? Yeah, the Silicon Knights remake. Yeah, where, uh, Solid Best Snake game of backflips 2000 in, in slow motion. Six. <laughs> yeah, if, if they make a remake of Metal Gear Solid Three, where where Big Boss backflips in slow motion off of uh, a bee coming out of the pain, I think I'll giggle. But I wonder if a part of me is dying at the same time while I watch it. Dennis Dyack. Two ah, human came on. Dennis. D- Dennis Dyack. Oh, what a name. One of the OG bad game bosses. <laughs> 2008. There's some irony to that guy's story, though, because he, I believe, lost a huge lawsuit against Epic over whether or not they wanted to keep paying for an older version of Unreal Engine that Epic didn't want them using. I don't know the exact details, but the irony is that as of recently, Epic changed their rules to account for what Silicon Knights was trying to sue them over or something. But yeah, anyways, yeah, he he didn't pay his engine licensing fees for too long. He had to destroy his inventory of of unsold games. Two Human was also in development hell for like 15 years. The team was making other solid projects in the meantime, but they kept that one going too long. Dennis Dyack has, has has a reputation as one of the like OG problematic game bosses. That's a that's a name I haven't haven't heard in heard a in a while, time. man. I remember when uh what what was it uh uh, there was a bald, bald white dude that I used to like watching. Um, Peter Molyneux. G four. It was in G four. <laughs> oh. It was one up, one up. It was one up, one up something, one up show. I used to love watching these little things on my little i uh, mini iPod. I forgot what you call this. Nano. 
Nah, nah. My, nah, <laughs> no, dude. I used to watch stuff on that little thing, man. God, what a world. Man, we're old. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're daddies, man. Holy you know, hell. Daddies and sons. Daddies I mean, and it's sons. Traumatic how, how much of the world has changed in our lifetimes. We saw the world drastically change after 9-11, drastically changed again after the Iraq War, uh, drastically changed after the 2008 recession. Let's stick it to, well, well, well but let, let's do dial-up. Let's do, oh, why? Remember dial-up? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's dial keep up. it clean. And then it drastically changed again when Konami decided to stop making AAA games. So, so what, what, what do we, what do we think? What do we think? Konami coming back to to make big fancy <laughs> games again, uh, potentially MGS three remake. I, I, I think Matt and I had uh, some, some, some questionable morose to to say. What, what about you, Liam? I mean, we've seen the pachinko. We've seen the MGS3 Pachinko. We've seen that the cutscenes can look great. but Hit the lever. From a gameplay perspective, (laughs) I don't know. I I don't think there is any reason to make Metal Gear Solid 3 again because it's just a... It's a game that plays like none other and that's what makes it special. It doesn't really need any adjusting. I think it's a pretty playable game by modern standards, arguably. I think... One would need more of a remake than three. Three is personally my favorite. I don't really want it to be touched, but yeah, yeah. Konami's gonna do what Konami's gonna do. With them choosing Metal Gear Solid three over one, they're kind of sort of stepping on fan favorite territory instead of mainstream iconic hit territory. Which has me wondering if if them if it would just completely backfire from how much baggage is associated with this. That that game series in particular at Konami. If they ended up remaking a Metal Gear Solid One, people would mainstream audiences would be like, "Oh yeah, I remember that for my Pizza Hut promotional days back in the '90s." But if they remade Metal Gear Solid Three, your normies aren't going to know that one as well. And the people who do though are going to be hardcore fans who already have such an axe to grind against the 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 publishing well, you know, company involved. You know, it's not going to play anything like MGS Three. It's not going to be as stealth focused and as awkward to shoot like it's going to be third person action with where stealth. you hold a, a button yeah. down the camera focuses on a crosshair and then you just shoot someone with with two buttons instead of having a weird top down camera that you switch to a third person with the button press and then ded- delicately holding down a pressure sensitive shoot button while also holding down two other camera change buttons at the same yeah, yeah metal gear solid 3's weird controls make some of the moves harder to pull off and i feel like that's a very important part of stealth gameplay that has gone that way mm. uh. oh well in other rumor news um valve and htc both have some uh patent filings that journalists at the verge and road to vr are speculating are suggesting that they are making a portable VR console system console. I don't know if I should use that word here because it's not a box that goes under a TV. So, but you know the thing in the vein of the Oculus Quest. Yeah. So essentially, just an Oculus two. Quest competitor. What a surprise! Yeah. The yeah. best uh, VR headset in terms of moving forward in the future. They're copying. Well, yeah. wow. it's absolutely a step that needs to be taken from a better company than the one that is currently in charge of that effort. You mean the one that goes down for six hours and you can't play any of your games? 
Exactly. And, and mm -hmm. if you have um, login issues, you got to try your darndest to get a hold of someone in customer support instead of just making a new Wait, account what do you, from scratch. What are you guys talking about? Are you trying to say, are you guys still Quest talking two. about that? Facebook yeah, being Facebook down for like I've been hours. playing it for months. What are you guys even talking about? I've been playing it no. for months. It well, was down yesterday. It was down yesterday for like six, seven hours. Nobody could do anything. You couldn't use your Oculus Quest. You couldn't do anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, these things have to terrible. be jailbreaking if they're hooked up to something like that. There's just no long-term sustainability. I, uh, Vive, uh, HTC, has uh, an F Federal Communications Commission's filing that has some information on the internet saying that you can see the FCC label inside the headset instead of printed on the box. Assumption there being that there's some kind of standalone operating system that you don't have to plug into to see stuff inside the headset. Their documentation also details that the thing is going to have Wi-Fi functionality. Uh, apparently to make a device that uses Wi-Fi, you have to do some filings with uh, this this regula regulator and clarify that you're using the, the legal ranges of, of radio waves. Assumption there also being that there's going to be some kind of Wi-Fi functionality on the headset, which would not need to be there if it was hooked up by wires. As far as Valve's rumors go, these were put together by a YouTuber named Brad Lynch, who ended up independently releasing information that Ars Technica was being told behind the scenes. They consider that a corroboration and also published a uh, story detailing these rumors of, of Valve making a standalone headset. They filed patents regarding for it. There are also some lines in a recent update for Steam VR that uh, refer to a project with a code name Deckard which sounds like the Steam Deck, the official real portable Steam Deck. console that is coming out. Uh, <laughs> the, the Steam Deck will be different from the, the Steam Deckard, uh, which, which seems to line up with Valve wanting to do hardware again. They, they had some interviews talking about having AMD processors built into the VR headset and uh, Greg Coomer said that uh, a, a portable uh, Steam Deck using that hardware would, would run well in the environment. It's very relevant to us and our future plans. That seems like the natural progression of things if they're going to keep doing VR. Yep. I mean, hardware space needs competition to breed innovation, so... And one of the, the questions is going to be what sort of operating system it uses and if how. If well, I imagine much... they're going to they're gonna keep it, you know, if the Steam Deck is the next big thing, they're going to keep it in that kind of vein, I would imagine. The Linux versions using, that they use. Yeah, using some form of uniform. The, the big question with all the Steam hardware is how much of your current Steam library can run on it. And it is harder to imagine them striking a deal with Microsoft to make a uh, standalone Windows-based VR headset than, than the, the Linux uh, with, with the Proton wrapper stuff that the Steam Deck is going to be using. And that's, that's a little bit of a spotty bet, I would argue. I'm wondering if, if a PC company could really do a standalone as well as a company like Sony could pull it off. Mm. In that sort of environment, there's just so much stuff that goes wrong. It's historically proven to not be that appealing to to mass mainstream normie consumers. I mean, I think I think it makes sense because Oculus 
you know, the Quest is the most user-forward VR device that's going to appeal to people. The fact that there's no wires and you stick it on, you just use it anywhere is mm-hmm. where that where VR is going to go. So for them to stay in the game and to make something that competes with that or is better is the logical the idea. Step. Yeah, yeah. It just it. I guess one thing that is surprising me here is that we're not hearing these rumors coming out of Sony and their PSVR two stuff first. I was expecting that they would be the one to uh, try and make a Quest competitor before Valve Why? and HTC would have. Because they already are a, are a console manufacturer. They already have all the deals and connections and resources to do a first-party lineup of already existing VR games that are a hit. They also know how to make them cheap. The PSVR is a cheap headset. They have the connections and the hookups. They, they know how to massively order giant boxes of glass lenses from companies they've worked with for decades. They, they can cut the costs on a VR headset almost as much as Facebook might be able to. So... So that's that's why I can't. I just can't see PlayStation doing a standalone headset. They they tried to do standalone consoles. They did uh, the PSP and the Vita. They didn't end well, but that's still a better track record than Valve. <laughs> when uh when it comes to to supporting your hardware for for twenty years on end, and then making iterative sequels and follow ups to it, I. I, I had my money on Sony more so than than Valve. Uh, Valve is definitely going to be the one to, to to fucking go head to head. They got yeah, the, yeah. I would yeah. hope, especially if that you know, consoles will be consoles. Yeah, keep it uniform with the Steam Deck, and you know, try to make an ecosystem always helps. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, the 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 ecosystem of uh, the Steam Deck interfacing with your your Steam Decker interfacing with your your Steam machine is there's potential there, but I just feel like it's going to be weird because of the differences in operating systems. One of those machines is running Windows, and that has millions of games available on it. The others are running Linux, and that has thousands, with potential for for more if the software is all working right. But it's such a uh, a, a rat's nest compared to the like, the console stuff and what the the Oculus Quest also already sounds like it, it has in terms of the simplicity of the setup and an experience. Well, that's the important thing, is it? It's the user experience at the end, especially if we mm-hmm. want to make these these devices mainstream and you know get people who wouldn't pick up these things usually to play them. Well, it needs to be. And that's what Steam hardware usually isn't for. Like they're usually no. specialty gamer pieces. The the Steam yeah. controller was an amazing controller for gamers, but that thing did not break into the mainstream market at all. And it didn't seem like they were trying to. The Valve Index is a great VR headset, but it's a one thousand dollar thing for for one thousand dollar slinging gamers. And uh, what's the other one? The Steam Link that was not for normies. The Steam Link was not for normies. And a, and a standalone VR headset seems a little more normie tier from uh, Valve's uh, a more boutique specialized forays into hardware from the past. Mm. Well, good luck yep. to them. Good luck to them. Yeah, <laughs> best of luck. Having having competition in this space is something that needs to happen anyway. Logically, feels not surprising to happen. 
I, I guess at this whole time, I just was wishing it was happening faster. And from a big heavy hitter, experienced manufacturer of portable game hardware like Sony. Yeah, there, there, there you go. Uh, uh, my two favorite news stories of the week are, are both just MGS rumors. MGS and VR. Did you, expect, did you expect any less? But there, there, there you go. Um, and and from Liam, we got some some Sora Smash news too. Uh, but now, <laughs> now it's time for listener questions, which uh, you can send us uh, uh, them. What what sort sort of noun was I searching for? Listener questions. Send us listener questions at Dad and Sons Podcast at Gmail dot com. We uh, got about half and half from the inbox and the Patreon this week. First one's from Buster Barnum. Great Dear day. Dad and Sons, I recently used HireVue, an interview app. At the end, they made me play two games, which somehow accurately determined my psychological profile. Dad and Sons, which games do you think can secretly generate your psychological profile? And if you had to make a game to determine one's psychological profile, what would it be? Playing Super Mario 64, and if you drop the baby penguin off the edge of the level. Hmm. A microphone connected to the game that gauges how intense you trash talk the bad guys. Hmm. I feel like that's definitely revealing psychology. Ooh. Hi, yeah. A game just determines whether or not you get hired. (laughs) Playing any online game and seeing if you're a troll. This is some like boring dystopia shit. This is some some depressing, like like a Simpsons joke from thirty years ago becoming real. Uh, an interview app integrated with video games mm. that are built to so determine dystopian. so American. The, oh God, I hate <laughs> it. I hate it so much. Seeing if you could play Hunt Showdown without being uh, getting addicted to it. That buff, oh, that definitely shit. filters out a certain kind of person, I'm sure. <laughs> Man, and the other thing I think Hunt Showdown does is slightly skew whatever RNG mechanics are there to get you hooked. That's that's a classic one that I think everyone knows about. My mom complains that 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 is what she thinks a lot of a lot of video games are 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 gambling games that are nefariously designed to to always keep the carrot at the edge of the stick. What does she know? <laughs> that's that's what surprises me is that even she knows that anyways um but like there's also that test that you take in silent hill shattered memories where the doctor hands your character a sheet of paper and you tick off whether or not you like hate spiders worse than than scorpions oh, okay. i think you could just use general rpg skill trees and see if people are generalists or specialists by putting skills into builds or just being an entire generalist who puts a point into everything. So it, like everything says strength, 15, charisma, 15, dexterity, 15. And then you're like, wow, that person's boring. Don't hire that guy. And and I would time my uh, monetization nag pop-up screens to uh, uh, adjust the timing of those to the player's psychological profile. Yeah, see how many microtransactions they buy in like a week. Per hour. Oh, per okay. Hour. Yeah, maybe we can step things back to a week from my my you know fantasy target. Anyways, <laughs> you gotta be realistic. It, it looks like these games are like number games and stuff. I'm I'm looking it up now. Mm. This is kind of fascinating. You know those like app games that you have on your phone. Yeah, yeah. It looks like that's what it is. And 
God. I'm guessing if you get to like higher levels, it means you're smart or some shit like that. Uh, that's uh, weird. fucking imagine like applying for a loan and they make you play a game first. Oh, fuck to that like shit. Uh, yeah, oh, God, I can see it as well. Imagine going on a date and they make you play a little patronizing That's a app no. game. That's a no right there. Yeah. That's a no. What Imagine, what the, the the woman will will say play this game? Mm-hmm. That that's what to d- d- determine your psychological profile. No, that that's like an immediate no though. That's like Imagine Imagine going to the hospital and delivering a baby. That's that's like them saying like, "Oh, how much do it. you make?" Oh, how much do you make or just or what car do you drive? Like get disguising the, fuck out of here. the question in a game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Imagine being in the hospital for your life-saving surgery and before they go through with it, they make you play a game to to make sure that that you're psychologically capable of handling the recovery process. Oh my god. No. Squid game is becoming real, guys. Don't like We're all going to have to have to play Candy Crush before we apply for our next jobs. <laughs> Pretty sure what there's a reason why Squid Game is so popular. Resonates. Yeah, resonates. Resonates pretty hard. I'm ready for the next one. Pretty yeah, let's hard. jump in. I'm depressed. Chemo Force asks, dear future granddads and uh, regular dads, oh, oh, if you could go on an adventure to save the world back in time to any civilization, a la the Forgotten City, which time period would you pick that aren't ancient Greece and ancient Rome? I would personally pick ancient Egypt, seeing as I'm Egyptian and a furry. I think I'd vibe with my ancestors. They would love to hear all Whoa. about Renamon and Incinawar. <laughs> that took a turn. When you, yeah. when you, when your fellow fellow people there, George, furry, Egyptian and furry, or Egyptian I, and I furry. No, does he dress up as those uh, Egyptian dogs? Uh, what are those dogs called? Yeah, yeah, I know dogs. What you mean. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, a little like like slender, skinny, yeah. purely black dogs. Nice long oh. tail, mm. pointy. They're pointers. Nice and. F- would I bother time. even going back to save an ancient city that has already been desolate and dead for thousands and thousands of years? I don't, I don't know. Well, maybe you get trapped there and need to save it to save yourself. Uh, I'm okay. Edo, Japan. Okay, yeah. Fun. So I can see how powerful this Oda Nobunaga really was. You get to hang out with Yasuke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone's gonna make Liam into sushi. <laughs> you can show so, yeah. Yasuke his Netflix anime from from four hundred years later. Yeah, I'd be like, "This is your legacy." And yeah, like, this wow, is that what... voice acting is bad. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I have told you guys and some fans about a dream game idea where where you are like converting. A, a tribe of hunter-gatherers in ancient Mesopotamia into a city instead and, like, sliding around the tokens of resources that would make them want to change their their lifestyles to begin the whole the whole shebang. I, I would love to play a Civ-style game that was just exclusively focused on the 4000s BC to gamify the beginning of it all. 
Uh, everything, everything will go downhill from there. Once, once you press whatever button turns the tribal chieftain into a king that privately owns land, I feel will be a very, very fun, powerful button to press in a game environment. Whatever button transfers power from the temple priestesses over to landowning kings, I feel like that process would be a. Uh, uh, mathematically driven enough to turn into a game and also uh, concretely driven with enough material resources because it all ultimately ties back to people figuring out how to buy and sell and trade land. I feel like that could be a super duper fun game. Create Ancient Mesopotamia, the game. I like that idea of bringing up civilizations from nothing. But yes. But not in a civ way where yes. the economy is all fanciful. You have to build irrigation, proper irrigation ducts so everybody just dies of dysentery. The first 15 terms of a Civ game. Let's like zoom in on just those turns and expand on that. I think that would be really, really fun and powerful and uh, like like good edutainment potential too. You could, uh, you could, you couldn't just do ancient Mesopotamia. You could like have that game set in, in, America or the the Yellow River in China, where all these like civilizations began from scratch around rivers and and competing civilizations. It would the rest the ingredients are there. The ingredients are totally there. How about you, Matt? Anyway, you want to go? Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why no. is this such a George thing. How come? Uh... No, there's, there's nowhere. I, if anything, I would want to go to the future, not the past. Oh, I, yeah. That's that. Uh, that's fair. That, that scares it's more, me. It's more unknown. Yeah, it's man. not looking bright. Well, you could go find out and fix it. Yeah, it would either be hell, or it would be something. Or hell, no. Magical. Hellish, but worth living in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, compared to, to like the, the actual ancient Mesopotamians. <laughs> the, the actual ancient Mesopotamians, we did get a few decades this century that would have struck them as heavenly. I, uh, for, you know, some people in the world that lived uh, uh, peaceful, prosperous enough lives. Uh, I don't know. The future's scary, though. <laughs> Future is scary. I've been scared of the future ever since I was young. Scary future. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> Synapse asks, Dad and Sons, do you remove or hide or add HUD elements or do you keep them at default? Default. Default. Fuck you guys. I try to keep that shit as minimal as is playable. I don't have time to have to figure my way out. I need something to tell me. Yeah. If I if I have too many HUD elements on a screen, my eyeballs will be focused on them instead of the 3D assets. I turn the crosshair off in Fallout and Elder Scrolls. I, uh, I turn the minimap off in The Witcher and use the character's spoken directions. I'm that kind of asshole. Yeah, that kind of asshole indeed. I, I feel like there's I, there is a beauty to doing that, but also the default is there because that's what the game designer decided you needed as the information critically to help you get on with the game. Well, what if that's more like what a focus group of dumbass playtesters decided? True, but also they're the people who've played the game way more than you, so I don't know, consensus generally. And, and also, what's bad about having the options for weirdos like me? There isn't, and that's why they're options and they're there. 
I like the idea of walking around a game that has... I, li I like games that have little to no HUD, but as long as it's serviceable to the fact that I won't get lost in the game and not know what I'm doing. If it's made that way, sure. I, I don't turn everything it. off. I mean, I'll, I'll keep, like, button prompts on. But, uh, well, yeah, you need those. Definitely don't want... There's, there's a lot of superfluous shit that I, I will turn off. Like, or set the opacity down to, like... That's even 10, better. I, I like that, yeah. I like when yeah. games do that. Like, like Hunt that. Showdown has a real big, ugly item bar, but if you set it to 15%, it's beautiful. Like, like it will actually block out information behind it if you do not set it to 15% opacity. Like, you might run into a landmine that the little strip of information at the bottom of your screen is covering up. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Default, usually. And then either make them bigger or opacity lower or... Whatever. I like that information. Makes me feel like I'm playing a video game, which is ultimately what I want to be doing. I want to be immersed in a completely different life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big Mike asks, Dear Dad and Sons, as the three of you who all worked in the video game industry in some capacity, be it George as a journalist, YouTuber, Matt as a YouTuber, Liam as a tester <laughs> slash whatever his official title is now. Oh my god, wow. The, the shade. What are some jobs or roles in the gaming industry that the average person or even an informed forum reader or podcast listener wouldn't know about? Is it a matter of sort of carving out your own role if you don't have what one may think of a conventional skill? Hmm. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Liam. I'm I mean, so you sorry. said bracket director, which is technically my role. Right. So that's fine. But I just like tester slash whatever. Hmm. I feel like more press should be given to the studios that just do outsourcing contract work. The like giant warehouses of Asian developers who will work on yeah, assets. But that, yeah, but those are roles. They're still artists. They're, but they're not enough people artists. know about them. Yeah, but that's not the role, is it? That's not what he's asking. He's asking and, about the, the jobs and the roles. And, and those jobs also provide a potential solution to the problem of video game crunch. Like, they do. Uh, if if uh, your team has, is facing crunch time, you can... You can uh, this was one of the solutions Jason Schreier was proposing, was, was outsourcing it to someone cheaper to work on all the, the texture work for the benches or whatever like grunt work no one actually wants to do. It doesn't work that way. When I went to Rockstar, they used three outsource houses. Didn't change the damn thing. In fact, it creates more work for QA and testers because there's more things to test and break. So I don't know. Hmm. It's not really how it works. I think there are a lot of roles out there that people don't know about. For example, in QA, there's like multiple different roles. QA analysts. You got people who work on economy. You got people who work on specialist things. There's a lot of specialist roles that people don't know about that either get made by the studio because someone ended up being a specialist in that. Like, there's a lot of, um, you won't know about like standards testing. Like there'll be people whose job is it in QA to not test the game, but to make sure that like, when you boot it up on Xbox, it only takes 10 seconds to load instead of 12, right? What are the images that flash up? How People who will like have encyclopedic knowledge of like all the TCR checks on Xbox or all of the platform fails on PlayStation. And it will be like really mundane stuff. Like what if you, triple press the PlayStation home button and how does the game respond and is it a TCR fail and stuff like that. So like not sexy work of like playing the game and all that stuff all the time, but really 
grind worthy stuff. And then, you know, as you move further up the chain, there's a lot of different audio designers uh, of different positions, artists who were either like concept artists or specifically like, you know, artists of certain areas of the game. And you have like producers, but you've got producers who are like audio producers. And you know, there's a lot of like branching off points, I feel like that create specific roles. I think if you work at indie studios and stuff like that, sometimes you can carve out your own role by being, you know, being hired as like, let's say a game designer, but you end up being someone who's amazing at designing mechanics for a game, like certain mechanics. And then you become like this, you know, the systems designer or something like that. And then you can carve those roles out for yourself where you're a bit more niche and specialist, I think. Oh, narrative designer is always a fun one. Narrative designers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of people's dream jobs. UI and UX designers. UX designers especially are like invaluable now. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are a lot of rules that people don't know about. Or people, you know, just take I think it changes too. I think it it just depends on the game. It does. And the size. I believe Riot Games has recently started hiring for positions of lore master, which didn't really exist a few years ago. So, so, you know, if you want to be a narrative designer, that's probably another position those sorts of skills would, uh, would, would be associated with is, is the lore master. Oh, and that trailer. The, the, Oof, the guy in charge of oh. making sure all the Arcane. lore is consistent. Arcane looks so good. And there you wow. go, lore master at work, making sure that shit is, you know. Oh, my yeah, They're transmedia properties. So, uh, the, the, well, that's, that's what the, that role will have been the, created for. It will, as soon as they realized, as soon as they realized that, you know, stories were going to be in other things, you know, you got to, you got to have someone on, you know, who's holding a tight grip over the continuity between those things and make sure it's all tight. You know, you got tools programs and stuff like that. People whose literal job it is as a game designer or a game developer is to make tools for game designers to make stuff. Like there's loads of jobs like that. Oh God. That sounds like one of the expensive six-figure MIT programming graduate jobs. No, not really. Failed game programmers, maybe, sometimes. <laughs> Just people really? who who can build tools, you know, where... Because, like, like, the bottleneck so often is, is like, like that. Like, how... You can you can train a team on, well, on depends, the tools, right? but making of... the tools takes, like, programming knowledge yes. of, of a different tier. But then, yeah, you've got to build stuff that other programmers are going to enjoy, right? you got, you know, graphics programmers who are, like, programmers who specifically deal in, like, shaders and graphic stuff. It's There's all sorts of roles. And you can just, you can create specialisms for anything, to be honest. You, I think if you looked, let's, let's take a game like Destiny, for example, that has economy and it has multiplayer and has rating and all these things. Look at MMOs and then look through the credit list and you'll see, like, Fauna designer or designer. alien alien race, what what do you call them? Expert or something? Alien race? Xenobiologist. Yeah, you you'll find amazing titles. I think in that you know, and it, it's just as Matt said, it's like specialist to whatever that game needs, and it tends to be AAA studios and indie studios. You're you're a programmer, an animator, an artist, a designer, or you're all of them as one person. So yeah, it's a little different, but I think there's plenty of roles out there that you'd be surprised by yeah josh foreman which was a guy we had on the podcast was easy with this one or tofg um he worked for guild rush 2 he i can't remember what his exact title was but he did like the jumping puzzles and the weird stuff 
like right. uh, Super Adventure Box, which was just this like seasonal thing that would happen. Like he was like the head of that type of stuff, you know. And that's yeah. I, it just it just depends. You'll on the have game. teams within teams, right? Like you'll yeah. have this is the design team, but you know these guys design specifically those things and they don't do anything else and then your role becomes you know uh content creator for online platforms at christmas and <laughs> you know and then it's just like you know it becomes very rudimentarily just a way of differentiating you and being able to like you know say that you did certain bits of content when you look up the guild wars 2 credit there are 15 names underneath the category of design leads well, design leads, yeah, design lead is like anim- like animator lead. It's it's a it's just something that puts you in a position of where you are designing certain things, but also you are responsible for something. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, you know, one thing that always throws me for a blind side is learning how much media gets published internally in companies, which uh, the 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 Fortnite lawsuit brought some of that out to to the public that um. Uh, and, and internally in Microsoft, they had people somewhere in, in under the PR umbrella writing game reviews for an internal company magazine about the com- the competition's products. And uh, whenever a few years ago, when like insiders were were showing me some some leaked materials, like it always throws me for a loop how much work goes goes into them from people whose full time job is to make stuff that the the. the <sighs> That, you, that feel like 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 real products, but not ever going to be released to the public. Well, no, that feels like it's just internal research and stuff like that. Internal company publications are a bigger thing than I think people know. You get a lot of like, you know, what do they call them? I forget what the game reviews are called, but you can get journalists who are paid to make game reviews before a game comes out and it helps the company sort of understand what might be about to happen. I forget what, the, I forget what those reviews are called. In the Microsoft case, it wasn't journalists they were hiring from outside the industry. It was people already in their communications division. Mm. So I think it it's like, a smart thing to do. I mean, like you a, know. a side project for someone who was full time inside the company. But whether or not it's it's fully a side project or not, I don't think we'll ever know. Probably not. But uh, I'm sure in certain companies there are teams that his entire job is to basically do that or is to basically be like, this is what The Last of Us does and this is what it does good, this is what it does bad, let's use this for the next Bioshock. I mean, that just that will happen. There's lots of interesting worlds. Interested me how much it read like a, a general consumer review and not a like specialized report on, on industry competition. Because that person will know more about their internal games and the systems that work that they'll be able to shine a light upon what they need versus the average punter, right? Like if you're making Bioshock, for example, again, if you're making Bioshock and you know that you're a third-person RPG that has moral choices, ambiguous choices, and, you know, bad choices. And then you have these different skill trees. If you look at a game like The Last of Us, how much can you draw from that with somebody understanding not just writing about The Last of Us, but writing it with the reflection of, well, how do I gleam as much towards making the new Bioshock from The Last of Us than 
other than just saying The Last of Us is a good game or not? Well, it doesn't have any choices to make. So all of a sudden, the narrative of that and how that paces out is very different to Bioshock. Therefore, you're not going to gain or gleam really too much information from that based on the fact that the player's experience of the narrative is very different. But it is a third-person game. How does their third-person cover work? Is it intuitive? Is it this? How do the controls work? And then they can look at that and they can write about the fact that, well, I think, you know, compared to what we currently have with our systems, you can do these certain things. I think there's a lot more precise information that is required from people who understand internally what's going on with their games and then can shine the light through that as a lens to view other games instead of just reading IGN's review, which is just, this game is good. These are the reasons why. It, um, it, it, yeah, but what leaked out looked like a regular IGN review. Probably, but I'm not saying that that is the only one. I know for sure there are ones that are, are through the lens of like, how does it help us? No. Yeah, I mean, I, I I remember talking about how surprised I was at the lack of jargon and inside baseball talk in, in that internal Microsoft review of Last of Us 2. Well, we also don't know who the reader is, right? Like, it could be directors, and they are... <laughs> Old people who don't know video games in the yeah, company. exactly. Why They're asking, like, why is The Last of Us being talked about all the time? Why is it sold so much? And then, you know, this is therefore the thing that gets responded to it. I don't know specifically, but I feel like there are two kind of positions. And what, the one I think internally why having people on staff to do those things could be really important. Yeah. Well, I... Uh, Video games. I, 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 I hope that answers the question. We know a few. They're, they're, they're not that glamorous. One of them might be. But yeah, we, we, we know a few uh, weird positions that, that don't make a lot of public-facing content that still stick around these companies from, from beginning to end of a project cycle. Uh, how in the world do I like wrap up the podcast after that though? It just seems like such a, uh, ambiguous open-ended question with still more possibilities that we don't know about. And a long list of asterisks at the bottom of all those possibilities, throwing wrenches in people's interpretations of it. Cause the nature of the question by itself is, is, is one that hinges on unknown factors. It's just like, like, like what sort of, of, positions uh, uh, might, might the public not know about, which Dad and Son's co-host sure isn't with us being number seven in Saudi Arabia. I'm official um, Sora-hating Bond fan delivering into a New World producer. That's my official title. And none that of that's you... secret. I mean, Wait, it's all... Wait, uh, a co-hosting producer. It's 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 all for for a product that's going to go out to the public, that uh. But that's my role. That's my that's my role that no one else has that people might not know. Oh, I'm George. <laughs> that's my role. You know, like when you're playing a role playing game and you have a, a paladin and a warrior and a healer like, and yeah, George. Yeah, you're like a George. Yeah, I'm. And the you George name it. Of, and you name group. it George, but like spell that's it That's my class. Gaug. Matt's just like Matt, gamer of all. Matt, position of man who plays the games, mm -hmm. watches the TV, finishes them. I just come but, in uh, and be like, "Ah, oh, that doesn't look good." 
uh, let's try this. <laughs> and then I walk out. <laughs> and then walk out. And then walk the money, out. The money, man. The money, man. man. Ideas, the guy. Man. Ideas, man. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess that's one thing we should throw out, though. Like, of all the weird internal jobs, I don't think Ideas Man is one of them. No, it's definitely fucking not. No one gets to do that. It yeah, everyone, everyone. Everyone has a fucking idea. Everyone knows that ideas, man, aren't aren't real things, right, kids? Ten a penny. You're ten a penny. Ten a penny. Again, I feel like I'm at a loss for like the perfect segue, the perfect ending. I you had it. It was. I almost I'm did. And and then just and saying, then I'm I just, George again. I Georged it. Yeah.